0: Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new news edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Some things that I want to talk about today, DC Fandom announces their incredible lineup for the convention that they have running on August 22nd. I'm also going to be talking about the first trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah, which has been getting a lot of rave around the internet, so I'm going to be talking about that and a whole lot more. But the first thing that I do want to talk about today is a television show that I finished up over the weekend, and I wanted to review it for today's podcast, and that is the hit Netflix show, Ozark, which had 18 Emmy nominations that it garnered a few weeks ago on Emmy Morning and is one of the big contenders coming into this year's award season for the Television Academy. So I heard a lot about... Ozark, and it's how it stars Jason Bateman and Laura Linney, Julie Garner. It's been getting a lot of accolades, a lot of praise over the years, and so I decided to give it a shot over the last week or so. And this is a show that takes a, a basic premise, a, a crime drama about a family, normal family that really is the the father at least, Jason Bateman's character is a money launderer for one of the biggest cartels in the world, and how basically something happens in the pilot episode, it upends them and they have to move to the Ozarks in order to continue the money laundering scheme that they're doing for the cartel and all this crazy mayhem ensues. And the thing about Ozark is, again, it's a very basic concept. If you like crime crime genres, you'll, you'll like this show and it doesn't do anything new or different that you see in a lot of typical crime dramas. But what a lot of, if you have a good show, the thing that you always have is great execution and that's exactly what this show has is you know the story you know what you're probably going to get into but the characters the setting the the way that the dialogue is entailed into the script are so interesting and executed at a high level that you enjoy the show and you care about the characters as the three seasons progress and you love Marty Bird and the rest of the Bird family is the are the main characters of the show. And it's also the the locations, especially the Ozarks in which throughout the seasons, it really becomes a part, a character of the entire story. And the characters, you feel for all of them, you care for all of them, going from Ruth, played by Julie Gardner, Laura Linney, who is fantastic, and Jason Bateman, who, in my eyes, this is his best role to date because... I say it a lot on the show. Is I always love to see what actors do differently. And if you know Jason Bateman, you know that he is a comedic actor at heart. You see him in stuff like Arrested Development, or if you know him from Horrible Bosses, or from something like The Switch or The Change Up. He's a comedic serious actor. He's kind of plays that deadpan guy who takes a lot of the brunt of the jokes. But in this one, he's the serious guy in a very serious show, and you see a different side of him that you maybe wouldn't normally see beforehand. And I. I really like that about his character and you really kind of get to see these different sides of him that I really did enjoy and the same thing goes for Laura Linney who throughout at least the three seasons so far that are made of the show you get to see the progression of her character as she becomes more and more involved in the schemes that are going on with Marty and his involvement in the drug cartel and also the, the relationship with Julia Garner and her relationship with Bateman and Laura Linney and how that dynamic works out throughout the seasons and the first two seasons i thought were were good i thought the first season did a great job and again establishing everything And season two did a very good job of continuing that progression evolving the characters and getting ready for what i think is the best season and it's the same for a lot of people's eyes in season three which does a great job of 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 showcasing different locations within the Ozarks, changing it up a little bit, introducing new characters, especially one that is played by Tom Helfrey, who plays one of the, or the brother really of Laura Linney's character, who absolutely steals the third season in my eyes. And he was somebody who I thought wasn't, was okay throughout at least, at least three quarters of season three. But then the last three episodes, he just transforms and he should have been nominated for an Emmy Award for Best Supporting Actor for the Show. And the same thing goes for Laura Linney. I think when you look at season three and you look at her progression throughout as as what she does as Wendy Bird what she's able to do in season 3 is just you really get to see kind of this different side of her character than you did see in the first two seasons and again she becomes more and more involved in the crimes and the mechanics and you know where some of these plot lines are going but again it's the execution of the way that it's done within the script within the characters within the locations and I just think it's very well done and in a show that is about a family sometimes the children of that family are Kind of left out of the equation, or they're kind of made to be the stubborn kids that don't know what's going on, and you really just hate them, and they're annoying. What this show does really, really well is actually give those kids something to do, and actually be a part of the story, and be part of the stakes that are involved. And so I think, again, what Ozark does really well is that the execution of everything involved is done at a very high level. And it's not on the same level as something like Succession, which I think is the front runner for the Emmy right now i just think that again when we talk about what heightens succession above ozark which they both have 18 emmy nominations is the fact that succession is able to do things on an execution level but also bring some great wit possessed the dialogue to the characters and take you in different directions that you might not be expecting and execute them on a really really good basis whereas with Ozark, I kind of knew the trajectory and where a lot of the things were heading. Some things took me on a few twists and turns. But the way, again, the execution of how that is actually done is what makes the show very, uh, such a very, very good show that I highly recommend. It's my favorite Jason Bateman performance. I think Laura Linney is the frontrunner for best actor or actress in a drama series at this given moment in time for what she did in season three and i think also the direction that jason bateman does in this show because he's somebody who has his hands in everything involved in the show from starring in it being an executive producer but also directing a bunch of the episodes specifically early on in each of the seasons. And I think he won an Emmy last year for season two for the season premiere, which was done very, very well. But you can see the progression as a director that he's just come a long way since the first season and that the way that he's able to capture the, the the performances and capture the scope and the expansiveness of each episode and each season that he does, I think is very well done, and I'm excited to see what he does going forward, now that he has a few feature films on the docket now that he has signed on to do, that he'll go from the little screen to the big screen to kind of see those skills translate from something that is smaller budget to something that is more of a mid-level budget, maybe towards a, a little bit of a bigger budget, not blockbuster-wise, but something that costs maybe $70, 80000000 million to make and having that pressure of being able to put it in theaters for people to see. So again, I really enjoy this show. I highly recommend it. It's one of Netflix's best shows. And does it take a while to get into it? I don't think so. I think it hits the ground running, but it is a slow-moving show that even with 10 episodes, I had to find myself a few times taking a little break just because there's so many characters. There's so much going on that you just need to, to decompress a little bit and then come back and watch it. So I highly recommend it. Highly recommend checking this Netflix show out because it is one of the best ones to appear on the streaming service right now. Have you guys watched Ozark? Have you not watched Ozark? Let me know in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to some news I want to get to on this edition of the Samba Up podcast, and that is the, the first thing to talk about that I do want to talk about is in the superhero realm, specifically this DC convention that is happening on August 22nd called DC Fandom, which is basically DC's version of Comic-Con, which had its own at-home version a few weeks ago to not-so-great reception. The panels I thought were were good, but the execution It was a nice try, but you're not going to be able to replicate what you can experience at home or or at a convention and also it's the fact that there wasn't a whole lot of big panels to go on. You didn't have Marvel Studios you didn't have a DC one because they are doing their own thing. Warner Brothers didn't have something. There were only a few things that were actually going on like a, like some of the Walking Dead panels TV was really the big thing that took over Comic Con this year so you didn't really have any kind of big announcements to look forward to but it seems like with DC Fandom they're taking it to a whole nother level and there will be Announcements for the Snyder Cut, for Wonder Woman 1984, for a Shazam sequel, an Aquaman sequel, for the Suicide Squad, the James Gunn film. There's going to be some first looks of, of footage or pictures or announcements that could happen that we're going to be getting with this, and it's only open for 24 hours, and if you're on the East Coast, it starts at 1 p.m., and it'll go for a whole day until 1 p.m. on Sunday, so this is going to be something that is exciting and we heard about for a while that it was going to be a stacked lineup that there was going to be also the fact not just movies but television shows as well and comic books that this was going to be such a big convention and on friday dc announced the excuse me actual lineup for who is going to be a part of this fandom that is going to be online and it sounds like they were able to get everybody under the sun that is involved in the dc universe both in film television and beyond and just some of the big names that'll be a part of it are galga Doe, Robert Pattinson for the new Batman film, Dwayne Johnson, Margot Robbie, Chris Pine, Robin Wright, Pedro Pascal, Ezra Miller to potentially talk about The Flash, Idris Elba, Zachary Levi, Patty Jenkins, James Gunn, Matt Reeves, Zack Snyder, David S. Sandberg, James Wan, Andy Muschietti, Storm Reed, Terry Crews, Jeff Johns, Giancarlo Esposito, the list goes on and on and on for who is actually going to be a part of this panel, but that is just really a gist of the idea for who is going to be a part of it. And so seeing this list of people just gets me really excited for what we're going to get, because over the last few months, With theater shut down and production shut down, there hasn't been a whole lot of announcements. Sometimes we'll get some movie news that comes out and kind of jolts things back from where it was in the beginning of the year and the year prior, but it seems like with the DC fandom, we're going to be getting, again, trailers or first looks, and even though some of these things might not be back up to production or they're finishing up post-production, it'll give us something to look forward to, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel throughout all all of this that everyone is experiencing right now with COVID-19, and the DC fandom can just help elevate that. And I think the big thing that is going to be a question mark about the fandom is the execution. How is it going to be executed? Is it just going to be virtual online panels? Is it just going to be that... It's just all going to be one big news dump, or is it going to be scheduled where you're going to have something that's maybe live and you don't know what's going to happen and what's going to be revealed? Is there going to be something that's not announced that is going to surprise people? Is it going to be a new Superman film, a new Justice League film? Maybe Zack Snyder's going to board another DC film after the Snyder Cut. What's going to happen? Getting a first look at the Batman, more announcements about The Flash with Andy Muschietti and Ezra Miller being a part of a panel. Are we going to get the news about Michael Keaton officially confirmed? after it was reported by The rap a few months ago, that Michael Keaton is going to act as the, the Thomas Wayne version of what Flashpoint is. So there's a whole lot of different question marks going forward, but the big one is, how is the execution of this going to be? And it sounds like they have a, a really expansive, immersive, in-depth idea for what they want to do. So it gets me really excited for the potential of this and what it has in store and the surprises and just the great treats that this can offer for a lot of superhero fans, comic book fans, and just give them something to to hold on to and everything that's going on. And I think this is a great way of doing that. Even if some of these things don't stick to date, like there will be a Wonder Woman 1984 panel. And at the time it comes out on August 22nd, it'll be a little bit more than a month away from hitting theaters on October 2nd. That could change in a few weeks that we don't know about. Same thing that happened with New Mutants, where they had a panel for San Diego Comic-Con at home sticking to the date of August 20. So maybe that is not exactly what happens and the date changes. But the fact that we get some more stuff with these projects, some teases, some pictures, some trailers, I think will be able to whet a lot of people's appetites. And not even, I think, just for Marvel fans or DC fans, but again, just for comic book fans as a whole. Because, again, we don't know what Marvel is going to do. There's been no announcements. There's been... Some casting announcements, some rumors that have been going on lately, but nothing concrete of where things are going to be going. As of right now, everything is starting on November 6th with Black Widow to kick off Phase 4 of the MCU, but we don't know about the Disney Plus shows. We don't know about what's going to happen with films in 2021 or 2022, if things are being rearranged as of right now, but it seems like DC has a better idea of what they're going to do with both films and their television side, talking about The the Flash, the CW shows of Legends of Tomorrow, Lois and Superman, Batwoman, Introducing their new Batwoman, a woman of color, who is also a, a someone who's bisexual. Something that the showrunners of Batman or Batwoman were looking for, for after Ruby Rose exited a few months ago. So introducing her and and being able to showcase, well, this is what we want to do going forward, I think can bring a lot of people on board. So again, television, movies, comics, DC has it a little bit more figured out as of right now. And again, that could change over the next few weeks, even after DC, DC Fandome. But with this lineup, with the announcements that we could be getting, with the, the teases and the and the pictures and the announcements, I think this is just something to distract a lot of people from right now in the world of comic books that could give people about a day or so to just kind of don't worry about anything else but what we have looking forward to. And I think that is what this is going to really be remembered for. Hopefully, again, if the execution is done right with this film. What do you guys think about DC Fandom? I'm going to put out a Twitter poll asking you guys about it. Are you excited about it? Are you not excited about it? Are you a little hesitant about it? What are your expectations for it? Let me know in that Twitter poll and leave your thoughts. And then moving on now to one of the big stories that happened over the weekend and even before the weekend on Friday and Thursday, and that was the Lionsgate share update, talking about their stock, where they were during the second quarter of of 2020 and potential things that are happening in the future. And while I'm not going to get into, per se, the Lionsgate stock and where it was, it was really more about the the announcements that were made during the quarters report because again of theaters being closed down Lionsgate is not able to put out any of their films that they want to and so they did take a hit they have to offer up some kind of positive news and that positive news was in the form of some newly announced projects including a few new additions to a project that is already in the works and the first one that i want to talk about is the fact that john wick 5 is officially in development and that it will shoot back to back with John Wick 4, which is scheduled to hit on Memorial Day weekend on 2022 and that both John Wick 4 and John Wick 5 will shoot again back to back. And it's also that both scripts are being written right now and that they will be shooting in 2021 once Keanu Reeves is done with the Matrix 4, which she's currently in production on as of right now, resuming after they were shut down when the pandemic first started in March. And this makes a whole lot of sense. I mean when when I saw this announcement it was kind of well obviously they're gonna want another John Wick film. And um, I, I think it's more of, again, and Chad Stahulski, the director, has said this, that it's just going to end when they don't come up, come up with any ideas. And he said that for John Wick 4 that he and Keanu had an idea for what they wanted to do for John Wick 4, so they included that. And I guess over time in quarantine, they've been able to, to create another idea that they didn't want to put in John Wick 4 but put in as a continuation of the story for a new installment in the John Wick franchise. And when you talk about something that is grassroots, that is an unexpected story in Hollywood, that doesn't really happen all that much, and is still beloved three films later, John Wick really takes the cake in which... I remember in 2014 when the first one came out and seeing the trailer in theaters, I'm like, "That, that, that looks cool. That's a cool film with Keanu Reeves." And it, even after, before John Wick, Keanu Reeves was somebody who was, all due respect to him, somebody that was kind of a back burner in a way. And in which it was like, "Oh yeah, I remember Keanu, the Matrix film, Speed." Uh, somebody who, who was a star back in the day, but you just kind of knew, but it, it didn't it, it didn't hold a lot of weight as it again did back in the day and as it does right now but when it came out it just kind of changed up the way that we think of action films and specifically gun fu and hand-to-hand combat styles it was just revolutionary that has spawned the careers of of so many different people specifically again Chad Stahelski David Leach, and then we've seen from that tree, people like Sam Hargrave go on to do films like Extraction that came out earlier this year with Chris Hemsworth that this that, that was really such a launch pad for so many people and started this, this renaissance this resurgence or as a lot of people called it last year this Keanu sans that is happening with Keanu Reeves from what he did in Toy Story 4 last year from what he did in John Wick chapter three, but over the the years since that he's kind of become a, 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 moderate, a moderate star again, where he's somebody that when you see Keanu Reeves, you think of, oh, Keanu Reeves, John Wick, and that name has weight once again, and he's obviously doing Bill and Ted three again, and they came out with it because Keanu is really relevant nowadays, and so when you bring up his older films, Matrix and Speed and Bill and Ted, you capitalize on that as you can right now and for a film that from John Wick to John Wick 2 expanded in terms of box office and then that happened with John Wick chapter 2 to chapter 3 both critical reception and financial success drastically improved and the film has made over five to six hundred million dollars worldwide at the box office and it's just absolutely an incredible story of of a little film that could that has turned into one of the big franchises in today's day and age of Hollywood right now where, again, it changed up the way we think about action, the way that stuntmen who kind of went from just being stuntmen to directing action films and introduced a whole new set of action movies and action genre that we haven't seen in a long long time and for we knew John Wick 4 was coming but also to get John Wick 5 for the studio it's also the fact that you capitalize on this and you keep the train moving because you don't know how much longer you have so if you have all these great ideas and you can keep going then go for it and it's, it's all going to come down I think to the Story and to the action, keep upping the ante of the action. That's what we talk about with the Mission Impossible franchise, with the Fast and Furious franchise. How do you keep upping the ante? of what you've done beforehand. And I'm not saying that Keanu Reeves is going to drive a car out of an airplane or climb the side of a tower, but in the world of John Wick and what he does, like riding a horse and fighting ninjas, what is he going to do next to top something like that with all the gun action that he does? How do you top John Wick's characteristics in his own universe? So I think that is the order that even Chad Stahelski has talked about saying – it's, it's, it's you. What, how are you going to expand and, and up this a- action? And, and it's also the fact that you have to have a good story, but again, it's also this, this world, the mythology of John Wick that is, I think, kind of taking people by storm and away from the first film where we were introduced to this world and we got to see it bit by bit and each film has kind of peeled back the layers of this assassin world and to see more of it in John Wick 4 and 5 I think is going to be very interesting in the fact that this whole thing can become a bigger universe where there's always there's a potential spin-off show about the hotel the continental in the John Wick films to another film about a, a set of female assassins in that world. John Wick has really kind of started out as its own kind of franchise, which it isn't really based off of anything. It's its own thing that was created as an original film, and it's kind of taken off. It's not based off of a graphic novel, a comic book, a television show. It's its own thing. So it makes a whole lot of sense for for John Wick to continue and shoot back to back. And there's also advantages from shooting back to back. And the fact that also is Keanu Reeves is somebody who isn't a spry young kid as he was when he did that matrix or speed in the late 90s and early 2000s he's a lot older nowadays and and older than when he did john wick in 2014 2013 when they shot it he's he's a lot older so you want to capitalize on him too before he does one of these movies and he hurts himself and he says to himself i'm not immortal anymore i can't do what i'm doing right now and it may lose a little bit of steam so you want to shoot back to back get as much as you can out of keanu reeves out of the cast and crew as you possibly can right now and we've seen films shoot back to back and have great success take the last two years with avengers endgame avengers infinity war different franchises one's a hell of a lot bigger than the other but still the fact that out of that consecutiveness, the momentum was there from one year to the next, and that can happen with John Wick. We've seen what happened with obviously the biggest one that is an example of shooting back to back to back is the Lord of the Rings franchise, where that had momentum for the last three years in the early 2000s, where from 02 to 04, really, or from 01 to 03, I think that around that area was when the Lord of the Rings films came out, is when those films were able to have kind of momentum and grow from the the first film to which the third film was a billion dollar hit at the box office. So there's a lot of advantages of shooting back-to-back, and I think John Wick is going to benefit from that and being part of that franchise. So I'm really excited to see the adventures of John Wick come back for not just a fourth edition, but a fifth one, and that we don't have to worry of, after the fourth film, oh, are we going to get another John Wick film? We know we're getting a fifth one, and so at least the next few years, we know we're getting more John Wick. And also part of that call from Lionsgate, there was also the announcement of a Dirty Dancing sequel in the works, and I had my excitement for the John Wick franchise moving forward. Now I have my reservations about a Dirty Dancing sequel going forward. And just to get the details out of the way, Jennifer Grey, who was the leading lady alongside the late, great Patrick Swayze, will be coming back for this film, and it will be directed by Jonathan Levine, who was the director of the, the the small hit that was years ago starring Nicholas Holt called The Warm Bodies, which is I think is actually a cute little film that I think people should go check out. And... For, even though, again, I'm a fan of warm bodies, and I like that Jonathan Levin is coming back, and again, I get Jennifer Grey. That's it's a smart choice. You have that nostalgic factor, casting her once again. Do we really need to bring the Dirty Dancing franchise back? There's already been a few attempts for a, a VOD for VOD releases and straight to home releases. Nothing on the same level as the first Dirty Dancing, but I just the the first thing obviously is the fact that. This is obviously a, a money grab. It's it's not something that maybe there's a, a story out there that you can do where it's it's like a passing of the baton for Jennifer Grey, and she is training these brand new kids that are in love, and it has some harkening back against the nostalgia of the first film. That maybe that that is what you do, but it just seems kind of like what I was talking about with Grease, where it's a money grab, but this time you bringing back one of the main stars of the film, and the second thing is. Patrick Swayze is no longer here, and I just think that to not have him and to not have him be involved, I don't know how you do it, and unless, again, you go on that angle of, it's a new generation and years and years and years have passed where Jennifer Grey's character Baby and and and, and Patrick Swayze, that those characters were able to go off, maybe they had a great life together, and then that character tragically passed like Patrick Swayze did, and that's how they keep that story going forward but it just it, to me it just doesn't sit right and i know there's a big fan base for that film it's one of the most influential culturally iconic films of all time it just to me it's it's another thing like greece where that's another culture iconic film that you just let it be let, just 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 keep it in the vault let it be what it is let it keep continuing to be that iconic cultural movement and just 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 let let it hang and, and and I just don't think you need to do this and and I think it's to also again to it's not going to to wound or salt the memory of Patrick Swayze but to not have him here I just think it's not going to feel right and unless again they play to that angle in the storyline I'm not a big fan fan of this. I'm a big fan when it comes to seeing how a lot of these reboots or sequels to a lot of these films have worked. Some of them have done better than others, I will admit, but nine times out of ten or eight times out of ten... They usually kind of fall flat in the face and they tarnish the legacies of what have come beforehand in these film franchises. So I I definitely don't agree with the sequel to this, but I do think this is something that probably will make a lot of money in the end, which is what studios want to do. And I think especially in today's day and age, a lot of studios are going to be looking at greenlining a lot of viable... Options and a lot of viable IPs that people might, that studios might think people will flock to, because of the name recognition. And Dirty Dancing is certainly that. So it makes sense. I can see why from a business standpoint. But again, creatively doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I personally don't think it does. And then the final thing coming from this call is the fact, to no surprise really, that Antebellum, that this new Janelle Monae movie that has had kind of teaser trailers come out where I don't really know what this plot is going to be about, but it looks like it's set in the South during slavery, but it's also set in modern day, and it stars Janelle Monae, and it was supposed to come out in April, but then it was moved to August, but now because of COVID, it doesn't look like a lot of films are coming out straight to theaters in the month of September. It is moving to VOD on September 18th and will not hit theaters. Makes a lot of sense. And I think for a film like this, maybe it picks up a lot of traction being on VOD if it looks as good as it does. It's from the producers of Get Out and Us. It's not doesn't have Jordan Peele attached to it, but the people that worked with him seems like they have some kind of idea that takes the mold of Jordan Peele with what he did with Get Out and put it with Antebellum. So it looks like something that could be interesting. Again, I don't know a whole lot about it, but sometimes when you don't know a whole lot about a film, it elevates the experience that you have, whether you watch it in a theater or in this case of VOD, you watch it on home for however much it'll cost. And I don't have the specific prices right now, but Again, considering what a lot of VODs have looked like right now, it's not premium VOD, so it could most likely just come onto video on demand for maybe a rental of six ninety nine, and then you get it for twelve ninety nine to to own. I think that's what they're going to go with on Antebellum. So it could be something that's really cool to check out and experience, but nothing that I think is really going to wow a lot of people. I, it could, in my it could, but. Uh, it wasn't going to make a whole lot of money on the box office and I think Lionsgate sees that what do you guys think overall about this call from Lionsgate and the new updates they shared on some of their films moving forward what do you think about John Wick 5 being in the works and shooting back to back with John Wick 4 are you excited for more adventures in the John Wick franchise are you excited about a Dirty Dancing sequel do you think there should be a Dirty Dancing sequel should they not do it because it's Patrick Swayze do you think they should do it because maybe they can do it more for modern times let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts and what do you think about antebellum moving to VOD on September 18th. Let me know your thoughts. And the final thing I want to talk about today is a trailer that I think is going to intrigue a lot of people, including myself, and that is the first trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah. It is written, directed by Shaka King, and is produced by the one and only Ryan Kugler. and it stars Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, and Jesse Plemons, and it is about Freddie Simmons and what he was able to do with the Black Panther Party, and his tragic death in his in his portrayal in the Black Panther Party, and it, 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 this is a film and a, and a subject that I personally don't know a whole lot about. I know about the Black Panther Party and what they did in the history, especially during the Civil Rights Movement in the 60s and 70s, but I, I haven't really known a whole lot about that, and I think that goes to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and the, the cultural for me information that needs to come out for everybody right now. And that is something that I, that I, I personally need to get on. But when talking about the Black Panther Party, especially seeing them on screen, There's only been one or two times that I've seen them on screen and it hasn't been in a major way. The one that really does come to mind is Lee Daniels' The Butler where there's a portion of the film where David Oyelowo's character from that movie is a member of the Black Panther Party and you kind of see it a little bit kind of the workings from a film perspective but that's all we kind of really get. There hasn't really been anything else at least when I've seen it other than documentaries but actual live action films like biographies and bio films and and even action films or anything else. I haven't seen anything for the Black Panther Party. And Judas and the Black Messiah seems to be this first major film with major actors, major talent behind it from a major studio with Warner Brothers that'll be talking about the Black Panther Party and what it meant during that movement. And so that got me really excited, but it was really the performances that had a lot of people talking when this film first came out. And of course, the big one that people were looking at is Daniel Kaluuya playing the main character and how he could potentially be getting another oscar nomination for this again way too early to tell and there's not even a release date for when this film comes out it could come out next year for all we know and be a part of the the 2021 academy season in terms of coming in terms of the, the oscar ceremony in 2022 But regardless, I do think whenever this film comes out, it's going to gain a lot of momentum. It has a lot of, again, cultural significance for the times we live in right now, shining a light on the black movements and and what they meant, especially especially back then and how they really kind of reflect the times we live in now with a lot of social injustice protests that are going on right now. So I definitely do think that Judas and the Black Messiah is very relevant. I think it's going to get a lot of awards attention. I, I had goosebumps during the trailer, so I'm really into it. It looks like it has a lot of drama, some action involved in it, so I'm really into it, and I'm excited to see the chemistry between Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield, who I think are some of the the biggest rising stars in the industry right now. Daniel Kaluuya working on Black Panther, having a supporting role, but of course his leading part in Get Out, and Lakeith Stanfield isn't as big as Daniel Kaluuya. I think he's a bigger name than him, but Lakeith Stanfield somebody who was in the indie world and is. kind of starting to get his name out there a little more and, and, and being in major films and I think this could be a big big step for him with judas and the black messiah but i'm really into this i'm really excited to see this film it got me fired up i saw a lot of people like matthew cherry talking about how he was fired up matthew cherry being the the filmmaker for black hair and seeing how he was fired up about it and a lot of other people were interested in this movie so i'm really excited for what it's going to bring to the table and again whenever it comes out no release date right now i think it's going to be a heavy awards favorite whether it's a part of this year's award season or next year's. And I think it's going to be a a film that speaks to the times we live in right now. And I think it's going to be a film that has a major impact going forward. So props to Warner Brothers for putting this out right now with no release date whatsoever. But I think getting people involved and getting people to notice it, and I think it piqued a lot of people's interest. So major, major win for Warner Brothers with this trailer. What did you guys think about Judas and the Black Messiah trailer? Did you like it? Did you not like it? I'm actually going to put out two Twitter polls today, one about DC Fandom and another one about Judas and the Black Messiah. Let me know what you think in the Twitter poll. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Sam Cell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out Goal Driven Professionals, Geared Toward Improving Client Relations, Return on Investment, and Customer Acquisition Costs for Independent Businesses and Services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with kelly johnson give you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals along the way check out many more including wrestle attic radio Mania podcast and midnight showing you can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Also, you can check them out on social media at Facebook and Twitter, at RealAmbiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, make sure to follow me on social media when you get a chance. You can find me on Twitter, at Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. Again, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook, at Sam Bissell. Thank you guys again so much. And until next time, keep on screening.